When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 98. Today's Thursday, May 4th, and we've got a great show ahead talking by lows. Tis the season where people are panicking. Uh, even ourselves are probably questioning if these guys are ever going to come around. And, you know, this is a show that's going to walk you through how much we should be panicking versus targeting some of these guys. And Steve, very much looking forward to it. I feel like uh, it's a precursor for our annual Let's Make a Deal trade show that gets some some chatter, but very much uh that time of year, Steve, because it's early enough to where you're starting to get the shape of your team. And it's also early enough that other managers are kind of open to correcting and filling a hole in their roster construction. And this can be a a great time. I know a lot of these guys are highly rostered, obviously. If if we're buying low, it implies that uh, expectations were high. So this is a little less of the waiver show, a little bit more of uh, a trade focus, or if you're rostering any of these names, should be some some good breakdowns because we got a lot of names, probably close to 20, 30 names that we're going to touch on at one point or another. But uh, very excited to have you all listening. As always, you guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I am at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, the hockey run continues for you. The voice is back. We got some good vibes. And uh, ready for a great show tonight, man. How's it going? Yeah, great vibes. Uh, voice is mostly, mostly back. You know, I mean, it was a, it went, ended up going to game seven and got a victory there last night and have to turn around and do it uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, as we record this on Tuesday. Are, did you go to either one of these in person? I know you went to one like late last I went week. To, right? I went to, no, so I, I didn't go to game six or seven. I went to game five. Okay. Uh, you know, Lauren at one point, turned around to me last night like after it was pretty clear that they were going to win it was like how much longer is this going to go on for you know i got one of those she's been great about it but um i to put it in baseball terms it's like and for you like cubs cardinals or something like it's it was if it's yeah, as if the nice. cubs the cubs didn't make the playoffs for like 10 years and were a laughing stock and if the cardinals were also like a team that was across town somehow and which is kind of the case for me oh, in Peoria. Oh, yeah, like we're split. Yeah. So like the bars the, during Cubs Cardinals are like 50-50. I get it. And the, their fan base was four times as big and just always treated you like a younger brother even though. That's accurate. It's have, like if the Cubs were good because for yeah. me as a Cardinals fan, like they still have yeah. four times the fans, but they, they don't have the bragging rights. Yeah. So, you know, to beat your biggest rival, which, you know, their fans have Yankee fan hubris with – Met fan history, so it makes it even more frustrating. Uh-huh. Um, so, apologies if you follow me on Twitter today. I was, you know, digging up all the, my bookmarks and receipts of 
all the Ranger fans on Twitter claiming that I, the Devils I, I were frauds. So yeah, I caught some sarcasm uh, out there, you know, and I'm here for it. You know, yeah, it's more the the Twitter warriors and and keyboard heroes, but you know, a lot of the Ranger fans I know in, in person and. And as, and even on the Discord too, um, are are all great fans and great people. So, um, hats off to them. Um, but yeah, spent the last twenty four hours victory lapping. Apologies if you're uh, more used to me tweeting about baseball, but uh, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, hey, that's that's classy stuff there, Steve. And uh, yeah, to to segue out of there, <laughs> these guys that we're talking about today are uh, ones that you might not be taking victory laps on. Uh, and a little bit more of head scratchers, honestly. Like, I guess before we jump into the the long list here, Steve. In general, just I guess philosophically, I know we've talked about how anyone who's kind of drafted in your first, I don't know, eight rounds, it, it's a little early to be, you know, hitting the panic button, dropping. I'm shocked in my 14 team home league. I've already waiver claimed Eloy Jimenez and Gunnar Henderson and even members of my league that I like respect that, you know, they're dialed in on all the underlying stats, all that stuff. They're saying stuff like, oh no, not touching a Gunnar Henderson or have fun with Eloy. And I'm just like, holy smokes, man. People jump off the ship very early. And I know that's an extreme example, but I think more so we're, we're kind of talking trade targets in a way for some of these buy lows, but just how do you make sense of, you know, what we've seen from a lot of these stars? We'll get into to guys that aren't rostered as highly, or you might have a shot on the free agency, but spoiler alert, the first segment is kind of looking at the guys who are drafted in the first two or three rounds. Guys like Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, Austin Riley, like, I know that you can't really sum them all up without assessing them individually, but like state of mind right now, do you just write it off as this is one month or do you dig in deeper and do you try to offload if you see worrying signs? Like how how do you justify some of these top billing players that are really underperforming in the first month? For certain guys and for basically all those guys, yes, you have to just write it off. Um, it's hard because you know the it, it's it's psychological, but the calendar doesn't say April anymore. It now says May, even though it's May second. It's still a new month of the season, and like we talked about on the show last week, I think, or maybe the week before, like we're at the point where you, if you're in a roto league, your standings aren't swinging as much night to night. You're kind of, and if you're at a a low spot in the standings, you're probably super frustrated if you have one of those underperforming first round players. So. Yeah, the, the frustration mounts. And then even for guys drafted a little bit later, you know, like a fifth, sixth-round pick, like an Eloy or a a uh, Gunnar Henderson, that's where you get, like, the crazy decisions to, to essentially rage drop, which I think that's kind of, like, the last thing you should be doing. Like, you either have to, you have to suck it up and bench them if, if they're cold uh, or... If, sell low which you know isn't probably a great idea but if you're that truly out of it it's better than just dropping them like you could still get something for Gunnar Henderson probably every league uh, like right I, I wouldn't imagine that unless it's like a 
eight team or six team league or something like that. Um, yeah, at least shop. There, at least so. shop for an yeah, SP6 exactly, exactly. And, and just send it to every manager. Like pretty exactly. Much. Yeah. But you, you got to kind of trust the name. And I know that's hard to do, especially with all the data that we have now. You can go to the guys' savant pages or pictureless pages, and it'd be just ice-cold blue. Um, and it's hard to do that, but you have to trust some of these name-brand guys. Like, you know, uh, there there are some ends where, where it doesn't work out, like, you know, Yelich or Bellinger from a few years ago, even Lindor, I think, two years ago, even though he really did have a... A pretty good second half. Um, mm-hmm. It was still a disappointing overall year, um, but I think those are more of like the extreme examples um, where you know there was a, a, a shoulder, massive shoulder injury with Bellinger that he was coming back from. Um, you know, Yelich had massive back problems, so a lot injury related. So unless there's like a true underlying, hey, this guy is battling through something or he had off-season surgery and is really struggling and clearly isn't the same player, I think you kind of have to just trust the name value. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for every uh, Lindor or, you know, just going through the names you mentioned, Bellinger, it seems like there's a handful of guys who just write the ship, and by the end of the year it, it looks pretty similar to what, is usually on the back of the baseball card. I mean, maybe the average comes down 20 points, but even that, you know, when you consider that a lot of these guys are starting at like, you know, near the Mendoza line for the month of April, and that's why they're on the show today is that they're just really struggling with average or whatever it might be. For them to even get back to close to a normal season line, it usually means they're picking up the slack in the remaining months. So, yeah, very much... uh a fan of kind of exercising patience on on these guys but yeah and there was a you know on the pitcher list discord shout out uh, to peel plus uh, sign up you get access to our amazing discord there is a baseball trivia channel um and a common trivia is just taking someone's savant card um without the name and just saying whomst and people have to guess based on the the savant sliders and one of them was Trey Turner's, right? And it was ice cold everywhere. Um, and, you know, Turner isn't like this a, a guy like, like Soto or something like that that has bright red power metrics or anything like that. But it's still pretty good. And it was always, like, better for what you expect for, like, a speed-first guy. Um, and Alexander Chase, I think he was the one who posted it or maybe he answered it. Uh, he was like, funny enough, like, Trey Turner's had a stretch like this Every single year for all of his careers, it's just we're noticing it more because this happened uh, in April when, when he started the season. So you have to look at it that way, too. Like every one of these guys that, that we're, we're talking about has probably had a worse stretch than what they're on currently. Um, and they're still the amazing players that we know or guys that have potential to be really good. So um, something to just keep in mind and remember when you're thinking about these names and why it's kind of uh, just to you know, trust the back of the baseball card to an extent. So let's jump in. So we have kind of this uh, starting five here with Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Austin Riley. And Turner, kind of leading off, is hitting 260. The average is, is fine. The two homers, four steals, it's okay, but you look at like a 669 OPS – Pretty underwhelming, just seven RBIs, 
Uh, 17 runs is nice. No, Bryce Harper is back tonight as we record this on Tuesday. Uh, but to your point, I mean, uh, what, what Alexander Chase is saying, last year uh, in the month of April, Turner had one homer as opposed to the two he has already, and he had four steals, which he already has, and he's batting two, he was batting two seventy six. So it's pretty similar. It's just, you know, whatever, getting a few less doubles so far this season, and it's, uh, you know, pulling down the OPS a little bit. But that's Turner. I think the underlying stats, like you mentioned, are icy blue. So that's Turner. Uh, Mookie Betts, of the bunch, I think his kind of underlying stats and, and overall line kind of looks closest in a way to what he typically does. I know he just had a homer, uh, I think it was Sunday, but hitting 252 on the season, an 837 OPS, five homers, one steal. Maybe it's the steal, especially in this environment where everybody's kind of running like crazy that you're you're pretty upset with. But uh, Mookie's been a little underwhelming uh, despite getting shortstop eligibility in a lot of league formats, which is crazy. Now second short and outfield for bets. Uh, Juan Soto, it's kind of more of the same where everything you know looks bright red. You love the barrel rate. You obviously love the plate discipline like always. It's mainly that same story, which is maybe more concerning that the ground ball rate is still extremely high. In fact, at 57.7%, it is the highest that it's ever been for Soto, and it's been too high for us in the past. Uh, that said, the barrel rate is also high. Uh, it's just, you know the barrels aren't helping us when we're only getting 28% fly balls. Uh, Soto does have his five homers, but just a 214 average. I personally thought with the, uh, the shift rules that maybe Soto would be in a little bit better of shape with the ground ball rate and, and that average, but still just batting 214. Uh, then you've got Machado and Austin Riley, who you can kind of lump together because it's really the plate discipline that has suffered uh, quite a bit. So Machado, who's batting 237, uh, the strikeout rate's gone up. It's still at 24.4%. Uh, but yeah, just the XBA at 205 beneath his 237 average. Not pretty for Machado. Even with four hom- homers and two steals isn't terrible. It's more the 671 OPS. And then Austin Riley kind of rounding us out here where I think there's a little bit more reason for concern because what we loved so much about the breakout had been the improvements in K-rate. And he has shown that he's sustained that since the shortened year in 2020. And now, while it's a short sample size, it has creeped right back up to where it's at like 29% on the strikeout rate for Riley. He does have five homers, but he's hitting just 245, a 239 XBA. So you got all these names in a bunch, Steve. Uh, happy to open the floor if you want to talk about you know, one or two of them in depth. But what I really want to get to is kind of how you would rank these guys uh, in terms of who you're you're least worried about versus who you're most worried about. Uh, but opening the floor to your thoughts on these five. I'm not really worried about any of them. Honestly, I would try and trade for all of them. Um, the only thing I will say, and maybe it's something that will so, sort of figure it out itself out sooner rather than later now um 
the fact that Trey Turner signed a big deal. Um, I know we talked about that with Marcus Simeon last year. Um, there's been research pieces on it proving how you know guys press when they sign big contracts and try to prove that they're worth the money. Um, and Turner is reaching more. It's it, that ha- and that wasn't one of his um, strengths in his game uh, in the past. He 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 swung a good amount of pitches outside the zone just because he probably had, you know, had such a good hit duel, but he's chasing more, not making the contact. And that's probably piling on when you just signed a $300 million deal, um, to come to a new team. Um, that being said, like, I think he'll figure it out and be absolutely fine. Um, as far as who I have the, 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 the most concern, maybe maybe the most concerned, it, it probably would be Machado or Riley, just because Machado's K percentage, and you know he's getting to the point where he's on the wrong side of thirty, and you know you kind of look at the exit velocity numbers, and it's slowly been creeping down. Um, even though he's one of those guys that's such a good hitter, that gets the most out of his barrels and exit velocities um, more so than than, than other players. Um, but you know the the sprint speed has steadily sort of gone down, so you you lose that little bit of uh, athleticism and youth that you know might cover up for a few deficiencies. Not that there are as many deficiencies in these great players. Soto, I, Soto should be my least worried, and, and I probably still am the least worried about Soto. It's just like. Now we're going on a year and a half of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's starting to become more of like, oh, like, is do we have to adjust our expectations down from, okay, Soto's like the best hitter and best fantasy player in the league to maybe there just is, you know, th- this lesser level uh, that could lead to a depressed batting average and, and less power than you would think because there's so many ground balls. But, He's still hitting ball so hard. He's still barreling it. I think he is going to make the the right adjustment, and it's just a matter of time. So I would believe in Soto the most, even though his overall line may be the worst <laughs> out of all these guys, which is pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would still be going after Soto just because I believe in the raw talent. Yeah, he's still an OBP machine, so I think it's a whole different discussion in points leagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 214 average has a 382 OBP to go with it. So it's making his OPS look respectable at 780, even though he's just hitting 214. But yeah, you're right. I mean, at, at this point, the last time we saw Soto with a respectable batting average was in 2021, which isn't too long ago. What's bizarre is that that was when it was a 313 average. Yeah. And he won a. Did he win the batting title that year? Uh, the, the year before he hit three fifty one. So I'm sure yeah. he won it that year. But the yeah. yeah the the issue really is that the the ground ball rate even normalized last year, and he still ended up with a two forty two batting average. Uh, this year it's at a fifty seven point seven percent on the ground ball rate. So uh, just you know, I go back to listening to Scott Chu last season early on where he was kind of pinpointing that the ground ball rate was the main mm-hmm. issue and now it's mm-hmm. it's continuing so you know we've seen guys that we thought were I mean I hate to make this comparison out loud but you know at one point belly was like a triple crown contender 
at a young age and then you slowly adjust your your expectations and I'm not writing Soto off just yet but like at what point do we have to say because of this 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 hole in his swing that he gets attacked on I know Eno had, had tweeted out something like mm-hmm, that like mm-hmm. if the book is out and if the ground ball rate is persisting you know I don't think it's obviously going to be this bad but I don't know that we can just chalk him up as a 300 hitter like we always used to so so then it's like yeah is he a true expectation like a 270 and you just kind of split the difference I just have a really hard time trying to figure out what kind of where I value Soto as, as a player right now whereas yeah Mookie Trey I think more of the same like you said Machado has some issues Austin Riley it, it's high but he's also 26 and I have no questions about the pop so I think Soto maybe that's what makes him a good buy low is you do have so many questions about like what's going on here that it really just comes down to if you trust the player. And, you know, at this point we've seen him for six full seasons. Um, and most of the time he's an all-star. So yeah, I'm kind of talking myself in, in circles here, Steve, but mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the idea, right? With, with these guys is like, it's a bit of a coin flip on if you are going to target and, and try to buy low, but you're saying you would for Soto. Yeah, I, I think that all of that is true and correct and right. I just think there needs to be an adjustment, and I think he will make it. Um, it's kind of surprising and concerning that um, that had, that didn't happen in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I still think that there's something coming. Right, remember... Uh, I think it was 2021 when he won the home run derby. And he was having a great first half, but he had like, you know, 15 homers or something like that, but then hit like 20 or 25 in the second half. Um, something like that, you know, or, or, or had only 10 homers at the all-star break, then hit 18 or, or 22 in the second half, whatever it was. Cause he, you know, the home run derby essentially fixed his swing and people got super excited that he unlocked this power for good. Now, I'm not saying that that's the exact adjustment that's going to be made, but it has happened in the past. He does have a track record for that, and I, I think that it will come. I think Soto is just too talented. Um, I bought into it last year, and it burned me, but I'm willing to bet on him again. Uh, I, I, I think it's probably as good as a buy low as you can get. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I'm a little bit more concerned. Yeah, no, than it's you. fair. I think the, it's I think fair. The K, I'm, the I'm K rate too. is the yeah. other thing where, like, the yep. past three years, it's been at 14%. Right now, it's Absolutely. 24.4. Yes. It's just like small things that seem like he's trying to figure it out while he's struggling, which can be, it can be hard. But um, yeah, so that's, there's some dialogue there. I think overall, you know, of course, if you can buy low enough, then yes, I still would. I guess aim for Soto with like, uh, I don't know, uh, six round type of talent. But I just don't know that I'm giving up like an elite third, fourth round guy and trying to say, oh, I'm just going to trade up and get a, a first round, second round value. I'm a little worried that Soto might not be a top two rounder next year. So hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, he is. But. I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a board bet with you on that. Okay, and five by five. All right, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. go with that. We'll go with that, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what stakes are, but maybe like a, a WAF T-shirt since ours are yeah, fading, they're, they're, fading <laughs> in the laundry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, TJ is uh, very concerned about it on on Twitter. I think uh, 
he was reaching out to customer support for uh, our merch shop that doesn't exist. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's the first group of names here, and then we're gonna uh, basically shift into a, a much lower tier, but try to go somewhat in order uh, on the fly here. And I think the next one that that makes sense is looking at Alex Bregman, Steve, another guy that was uh, certainly in that third base tier where you should have felt pretty confident that you have more or less a stud, and Bregman has not been that so far just hitting 216 again great plate skills so a 346 obp but just a 679 ops uh three homers for bregman no steals uh which is kind of typical for his game but uh just looking at some of the underlying metrics he does have a 256 expected batting average on top of that 216 average so there's some room for for growth there and then the slugging as well, we know he loves kind of that pull power. And right now the slugging percentage has just been 333, but the X slug is a 450 beneath that, which is the 13th largest gap on the Savant leaderboard on basically difference from X slug to slug. We'll refer to that kind of throughout the show. Um, but Alex Bregman is another one, Steve, that like I think you could probably buy low and a manager would, you know, is probably frustrated enough with Bregman that they'd be looking to deal. So I guess what's our outlook on Alex Bregman? Um, I, I like it as, as a buy low. I like that the plate skills are all there. Um, the whiff percentage chase rate and then the surface um, plate discipline and the, and the strikeout and the walk rate are still really, really good. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's just a point where, Bregman sort of figured out his swing and then attacks that Crawford box and, and gets the most out of his pull fly balls. Like, you know, even when Bregman was elite of the elite, he never had those insane hard hit numbers or anything like that. So you're never going to see that uh, in his game, especially as he gets older. You'll just see that slowly decline. Um, so I, I think Bregman last year uh, around this time was probably one of the best by lows. And I think he will be again, like, I, I, he's not going to be, um, you know, the the forty or even maybe the thirty homer hitter that we saw in like twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. but I think he'll be basically in line with what he did last year with like twenty three homers, um, a two sixty average, maybe two fifty if there's some Babbitt luck the one way or the other, um, but you know, close to an eight hundred OPS, which is. Uh, a good a good player and, and a lot better than what people are getting from him right now yeah and you're right uh last april he was off to kind of a slow start at the plate with just a 233 average uh similar pop and i think overall like when you look at just everything about his batted ball profile whether it's you know pole center oppo or you know line drive fly ball ground ball a lot of it looks very similar to what he's always done. So I think this, for a veteran, a 29-year-old, is very much a case of, like, this is just a down month where they're not dropping. And, of course, being that he doesn't have, like, elite power, he kind of gets the most out of his power. I think mm-hmm. as the weather warms up, you're going to see a lot of those, you know, finding their way to the Crawford boxes and the the pop will kind of catch up to pace, like you're saying. So I think Bregman's uh, a really good target and would back that for sure 
and, and again, just hitting 216 right now. So I think the manager's probably down for it. Um, Steve, we've talked about Ryan Mountcastle a couple times in the past few weeks, so don't want to spend a ton of time with this, but I think it's worth noting that Mountcastle, that he kind of has the, the ho-hum about him as well, like we were joking about with some other guys last week. As we record tonight, he, a, a 244 average, 709 OPS, but should be going up. He just hit his seventh home run. Prior to that homer, it had been a couple weeks since he hit his last one. And Mountcastle has the second largest gap in slugging percentage and X-slug. So his X-slug is actually 600, whereas his slugging percentage is at a respectable 445. Um, And then the XBA, which I don't know how much stock to put in this because I feel like it's always a little bit higher, but he's hitting 244 right now and his XBA is 308. Um, So I just think Mountcastle, like looking at the plate discipline, looks a little bit better. He's personally not my favorite name to to go after because of like the plate skills. Um, however, I think that we should see better days ahead with Mountcastle, like we've talked about on on recent shows. So, uh, are you on board with this being a, a buy low as well? Because I think Mountcastle is another guy that doesn't have a huge name appeal. So I think you could probably make a deal. Yeah, and he's definitely streaky. So like, if there's underlying numbers that are hinting at uh, him coming out of a, out of a cold stretch. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a great buying opportunity that that window might be closing. I think he had a big game uh, yesterday or Sunday too. Um, but I, I, I like it. I, I, he was uh, kind of an inspiration for this episode. I think that underdog fantasy account tweeted out like how he was leading or close to the top of the leaderboard and the differences in, in all of the, the X stats and that the underlying, um, you know, batted ball skills and, and, and some of the plate skills were a little bit better, um, for Mount Castle. So I, I think that, yeah, I think people have been burned by his cold streaks in the past. That always helps when acquiring, a a a, a player like this, that, you know, might not look to be this amazing help for your team just by glancing at the surface. But um, I like it. I think that all of this shows that he is getting a little bit unlucky. Yes, I know there's issues with the XBA and and especially this early. um, And it's not the end-all, be-all. doesn't mean that that's what he's truly deserving. But when there's that big of a difference, like he's clearly getting unlucky. So um, there should be some better results to be expected there. So I like it. Yeah, what I don't like just for this segment is that uh, I just saw he hit his second homer tonight. Oh, so uh, yeah. So, that window, that so there, there you go. Fast. Yeah, so yeah. If you roster yeah, Mountcastle, yeah. congrats. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you don't, you know, maybe you can maybe you can buy high. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But we got more hitters that we're coming up on in Chapter 2 here, but we're going to take our first ad break. We'll be right back. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life. 
not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Okay, Steve, another guy as we record Tuesday night who also homered tonight. But another one that's, uh, you know, maybe the window's starting to close. It's Eloy Jimenez, who, you know, had hit his third home run. He still has a a sub-700 OPS. Uh, He did have a four-hit game on Sunday, all singles. So, Eloy, similarly, the the window might be closing, but he was right in the heart of that 11-game losing streak or whatever it was for the White Sox. Manager's extremely frustrated. Uh, so I think that this is one where it just doesn't, you know, we, we've seen Eloy last, last season in the second half. He was one of the best hitters in baseball, but all of that came with some of the best, you know, stat cast metrics mm-hmm. out there. And so far it doesn't quite look the same. So maybe there's opportunity if we're, if we're kind of backing this, that you could still buy low on Eloy. Uh, what do you think? I mean, obviously the health is always a risk with Eloy, but hitting just 226 on the season, he does have the three homers, but the White Sox have been very overwhelming or underwhelming. So what do we think with Eloy? Is this a buy low that you'd kind of give that draft price because he was probably like a fifth, sixth rounder in draft season? Um, the the jump in K rate is a little bit concerning, but it's still a small sample. He did have a time on the IL. Um, you know, the barrel percentage is good. It's not like the elite of the elite, um, what we, what we come to expect from, um, from Eloy, like he's shown in the past, uh, as far as, you know, having top end exit velocities, everything like that. Um, exit velocity, max exit velocity is fine. Hard hit percentage, fine. So those things, yes, they're encouraging. He's hitting the ball hard. The whiff percentage, uh, you know, that's something that's not usually a part of his game. It's just in the, f- the fifth percentile. Um, he's usually a little bit better than that when, yeah, you know, uh, he was his best last year. He was not swinging and missing that much. But despite all that and, you know, the underlying numbers are what they are, and they have to be, like I said, taken with a bit more of a grain of salt because he just has um, – he just has 56 balls in play. He did miss like the week and a half with, with an injury. What is concerning is that I don't know if he's still hurt. Um, he played tonight, but on Sunday they said when he had four hits, like he couldn't. He was pinch ran for because he couldn't go full speed because his leg was bothering him a little tight. He his IL stint that I mentioned was because of his hamstring. Um, you know, initially they said he was going to miss two to three weeks with that. He responded well and came back, I think, after the minimum 10-day IL. Um, So, you know, we've seen what sort of leg injuries could do to a player and sort of derails years. I would have almost wished that he missed another week and got fully, fully healthy. Like, the last thing I wanted to see was a note on him on Sunday um, Mm -hmm. that he was battling something with soft tissues in his leg. Um, So... You know, even if the numbers were bright red and and there was this amazing eggs velocity and wasn't swinging and missing that much, like it would still be concerning. Like the number one thing for me is is Eloy healthy. 
Like, if he's healthy, he is going to hit. Like, I have that much confidence in him. Like, we saw it last year in the second half, like you said. It's just, is he healthy? And I don't know if that's the case right now. Yeah, all, all fair points. Agree. Anytime you see, like, a day-to-day next to him, I know he got a had a pinch runner come in for him. And then when I saw day-to-day, I was like, oh, boy, here we go again. But hopefully uh, uh, nothing too troubling there. Like you said, the... The homer tonight uh, was, was a clutch one against the Twins, uh, I think, in like the eighth inning. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, better days should be ahead for Eloy so long as he can stay healthy. And I think it's a, a reasonable buy low, assuming you still can. Um, the next one, Steve, Vinny Pasquantino, you know, he's obviously uh, um, possibly on the Mount Rushmore of WAF guys coming into the, the season and it's kind of been a mixed bag. I mean, he, he's hitting 279, which is solid. Uh, I think the buy low indicator is that his XBA is a 321. But it's really been the power that, you know, I was, I'll be the first to admit, I was kind of saying, you know, there's more power than we saw from him last year. And the projections had him for, you know, 22, 23 homers. And it was like, man, look, you know, in the, in, in the minors, he had an ISO that was like, upper 200 so this should be like a 30 homer guy so far with with Vinny it's like it's looked good with he's had five homers he's hitting 271 but is it you know we we thought it might look like he was surging and so far I just don't know that it's been like elite elite so do we view this as a situation where just like a 6.8 percent barrel rate like do we think we could still target Vinny Pasquantino as a buy low here? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that all of the hard hit numbers are, are there. Um, the average exit velocity, the hard hit percentage, uh, the XBA, the the plate skills are amazing. Um, and, and you know the the thing that I, the first thing that I looked at. Um, when when I saw that you know the barrel percentage wasn't eye popping and didn't really match that hard hit percentage was the ground ball percentage and that's not too bad either right like he's only it's it's thirty seven point five percent ground ball rate um, he does have a thirty five percent line drive rate like like I'm not going to complain about that and say that he should hit no. more fly balls or anything like that right. Um, and it's looked it's better. Just, He's another guy that yeah. his past couple games, I mean, he went three for four the other night. Uh, but, you know, just before that, it, it, you know, he had kind of a the past week he's hitting 240, right? So it's like there might be a little bit of sighing from the manager who, who invested high. So it, it won't yeah. come cheap because he has, he's been good. But it's just if we think he's going to be an all-star, I think there's still a window here. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I definitely would. Like, I, I think that barrel rate is going to become a red number on Savant, not the, the light hue of blue that it is right now. Yeah. Okay, so Vinny P is another one. It's not quite, you know, that's kind of a buy medium, yeah, which, which yeah. segues us to a couple guys that we kind of put on the list as buy highs in a way, cheating a little bit, but... Not to spend a ton of time, Paul Goldschmidt is kind of a staple for the show because 
typically we look at differentials from ex-slug versus slug or XBA versus versus actual batting average. And it seems like every year Goldie is on this list this time of year. And it seems like by the end of the season, we're grateful that we, you know, had pointed it out and had, had kind of focused on Goldie being not just a top 50 guy, but like a top 15 hitter. And right now, the surface stats, even though the cards have been a dumpster fire, look good. He's hitting 306, a 405 OBP, a 914 OPS, four homers. He's even got the three steals. But what caught my eye, and the one reason he's on the the rundown here, is his X slug, even though his slugging percentage is a 509, his X slug is a 614, and his XBA is a 325 on top of the 306. Um, I think back like two years ago, Steve, that when people were worried about Goldschmidt, we talked about him in this capacity and he broke out. And now I'm just wondering, you know, if, if you're in a redraft, like are you even dealing a, a Vlad Guerrero or something for Goldie? Because this just looks more of dominance or, you know, Freddie Freeman got drafted above him. Like I think it's like for some reason, I don't know if it's age Obviously, the the counting stats haven't been as good with the Cardinals so far, but like Goldie's output really is kind of like top two at that position. So, curious if you think you would buy extra high on on Goldschmidt here. Um, I think I would. I think the the counting stats and you know, there this could have been like a eight homer month, and it, it wasn't just looking at like the spray chart where there was like a few really deep doubles and a triple in there or long single in there too. Um, but none of that has to do with like any of the underlying numbers. Like they all look great. Like his stack S page is, is bright red um, as it normally always is. Um, but I just think the Cardinals are due for massive positive regression. Um, I think that's going to come with a manager change sooner rather than later. Um but, like, they are just kind of like a dumpster fire right now, which they have way too much talent to be. Um, so you might know better than that than me, but I do have a lot of shares of Cardinals, so I'm hoping that happens soon. Um, like, But they just have so many guys that are underperforming that uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, they, they should be winning that division, not where they are right now. And I think with that, go, everything around, you know, all you know a rising tide raises all boats like you know if goldschmidt's 302 402 505 slash line could be raised it will be when they start playing better yeah i mean the jordan walker news uh annoyed a lot of people just the the general stating pit of pitching has annoyed a lot of people um in terms of upcoming series obviously they they got a round out against the angels but then they got the tigers after that there's a three-game series against the Cubs. Uh, if we were to get swept by the Cubs, I think we would see a manager change. Uh, <laughs> short of that, if if they get right in the next like ten games, I, I think it's it's not really the the cardinal way to to kind of dump a manager yeah, in the middle fair. of the season. Um, but yes, right now, I mean, as we speak, kind of funny. A minute ago, oh, Eno just cardinal put out a way tweet. puke. <laughs> Eno Sarris just put out a tweet. St. Louis Cardinals ranks 24th in the rotation yeah. for Stuff Plus, 24th for K percentage, 21st in ERA. Um, and then the offense is complete, 
other other end of the spectrum with you know top 10 15 numbers uh yeah it just we've been talking about it for a year and a half two years of needing to dish like a tyler o'neill or whatever's going on with like burleson yepes for some pitching but at this point it is rough i do think to your point it will get better and goldschmidt should be the the beneficiary and he already looks like an all-star so i think uh Again, I, I would totally stamp selling a, a, the, the highest of high for, for Paul Goldschmidt just because I think we're going to see yet another incredible season. And in terms of uh, the speed, like he's already got three steals, which is almost half of what he had last year. So this mm-hmm. could be another year where he gets up into the low teens uh, with the bigger bases and all the rules and everything. So, uh, yeah, buy, buy high with Goldie. And another somewhat buy high – uh, another first baseman, Nathaniel Lowe, and he was, you know, picked right around, you know, top 90, top 100, and this so far so good, but just not great. So I think there might be an opportunity when you look at the underlyings for Nathaniel Lowe, uh, 257 average, the OBP solid with the 339 above that, four homers, 20 runs, 19 RBIs. I know the Rangers have kind of had the offense clicking. Uh, but the XBA above the 257 average is a 296, and above his 459 slug is a 497. So Lowe is is having a good year, but when you look at some of these numbers, his BABIP is another thing we we listed here that a 296 BABIP, but every other season it's been higher than that to where projections have him at like a 325 BABIP. So I think this. Like the power looks like it's still that like twenty five homers, but the average should come up to to be around that like two eighty solid contact hitter. So I think Nathaniel Lowe's an- another one here, Steve. But curious your thoughts on on Lowe this season. I really think so too. I think this is a really good name. Um, and if someone is disappointed or you know has him as a util and doesn't have him as his f- their first first baseman, I think it's a great buying opportunity um and the reason being is the plate skills are a lot better and they were good last year he decreased his strikeout rate by two percentage points increased his walk rate by three percentage points um he's chasing less he's swinging and missing left he's even has uh you know a greater sprint speed he's in the 63rd percentile for, for sprint speed uh whereas uh 44 last year 44th percentile so i don't think he's normally a guy that will steal bases but hey you know he had two last year at eight in 2021 a lot of those i remember came early in the season so he doesn't have an attempt this year but he's running faster so hey maybe um but i like uh nathaniel low and if there's someone that's not valuing him uh you know i know he was a week ago maybe this was a little bit of a better buy low because i think he might add a home run recently um things like that but um, I think it's a, a really a really good buy low. I, I like the Rangers offense too. I think they're a sneaky good offense. So uh, good to have a share of that uh, in that context as well. Yeah, even without Corey Seager, it's it's been impressive. I know uh, I think Simeon's leading the league in in runs scored. So yeah, they're they're getting it done for sure. And low uh, again, you, you'll have to pay up a little bit because it's been good. But I think what we're saying is it looks like it should be great like it was last year so that's low and that kind of rounds out uh yeah that's all of our hitters we were looking through so 
again, outside of those those big five with Turner, Soto, Mookie, Machado, and Riley, other names we had on, Mountcastle, Bregman, Eloy Jimenez, Vinny P as uh, kind of that bi-medium. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe was another bi-medium. And then Goldschmidt was kind of a buy at the, the highest of highs. Uh, but we will get to pitchers next. So Steve... Starting back up at the top of the pitching chart, some of these are the head scratchers, man. It's like we did with uh, Soto and Mookie and those guys. But Sandy Alcantara, uh, what do we do with him? We we just saw tonight as we record another loss against the Braves: five innings, three earned runs, five strikeouts, which is kind of what you sign up for with Sandy is about a strikeout per inning. Uh, but three walks, and it's it's more just that he's getting hit. I mean, a lot of the other stuff, like the velo, looks similar, but here he is, one and three record, five oh nine ERA, a one twenty five WHIP, and not even a strikeout per inning. So, what the heck do we do if we have Sandy Alcantara on our roster, and if we don't, is this a window where we might gamble and try to buy low on Sandy? Uh, this is tough, like. It is, man. I, 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 I like he was obviously he won the Cy Young last year, and then the the second half of twenty twenty one was amazing. It was basically you know um, three hundred innings essentially, yeah, three hundred thirty innings like, of just insane, insane. And the innings pitching. per start were like eight innings, yeah. nine innings, like workhorse. But before that right before that run he was like a three era pitcher with like a little less than a strikeout an inning um and a good whip right like not the not a cy young best pitcher in the league for 300 maybe he's a little bit closer to that which is still obviously amazing like he's not going to be uh you know a five 17 era even though his x era is five two right like He's had stretches like this, even when he was his dominant self, right? Like there was a point, I think, um, where he had a rough few starts in, in, in August or something like that. Maybe that was in um, 2021, not last year when he won the Cy Young. But there was a few start stretch. Um, so it, it's tough. There's, you know, nothing I'm seeing in like the pitch mix change or like a velocity drop. Um, that that is telling me like, you know, what's going on here? What's what's wrong with with, with Alcantara? Like, you know, the four seam average ninety eight miles an hour. Um, it's ninety seven eight this year. Like, it's not like, oh boy, what's happening here? I, so I would kind of just have to to trust it and and buy on the fact that Sandy Alcantara is going to be an SP one because. He is. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to agree as well. I don't want to overreact. Uh, I do think like the 52% left on base rate, that has to regress. Uh, you know, his FIP is at a 385. Um, one, a couple worrying signs. Uh, Michael Sal- Salfino on The Athletic talked about uh, just be cautious watching these starts because it's what the past week and a half he came back from a a bicep tendonitis issue yeah that's that's true that's that's a very good point 
So, you know, there could be something with the end with, you know, that he's just kind of pitching through it. Although the velo mm-hmm. you, you feel like would show that it would manifest itself somewhere, but maybe it's not, maybe it's not in the velo, you know, it, it could be, it could be something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the line drive rate is up quite a bit, um, all in the way of grounders. So that's part of it as well. He's a guy who, you know, pitches to contact and that's part of what's been uh, successful for him. But yeah, I think overall you do you do have to buy in. It's just it's tough, man. Like we were talking last week about uh, you know, some of those like I I would of course do like the Sonny Gray for it, but but a guy like uh I don't know, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, like I think the Sandy manager would probably take that, but it's like that's a Yeah, you'd probably have to you'd probably have to you'd probably have to throw something else in there, you know, it'd be like one of those breakout, okay, hey, is this an SP1? Um, you'd probably have to add like a, a hitter in there too. I think just because you know Sandy was what the third or fourth or fifth pitcher off the board. Um, so you I don't think you're going to get people to panic that bad after a month of starts. But hey, maybe someone's taking that industry news and and really concerned, and you, you could do it. So, um, I would. I definitely would for sure. You would. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just without the strikeout, like even the guy like Lodolo, That's true. Like him getting pummeled, that's you're true. still like, oh, but he has nine strikeouts in six yeah. innings. Like that that's the hard part is there's not a lot of room if he's not dialed in. Um it can look ugly in a hurry when he's not helping you there. But yeah, overall I think you, you do have to chalk it up. Looking at the velo still up there at like ninety eight, uh looking at all the pitch mix stuff looks similar. Uh, you know, maybe it's the Luis Castillo cold cold weather type of thing. You know, who yeah. knows? We'll give him a little grace. Uh, Julio Arias. I don't know. Is it, is it cold in uh, Miami though? Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, I'm I'm gonna game log him as we we're saying that. So yeah, his starts have been. Uh, oh man, yeah. Pretty much, he's only had like two road starts so far. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do the cold weather thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I guess if you want to to game log it, most of the damage came on that Phillies game with nine earned runs. Beyond that, it's been three earned runs or less every time. So I think that's probably the the most promising thing is that if you throw that one out, you're probably looking at a, a pretty typical sand. Pretty much what you expected, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is a good sign there. So, Okay, let's move to Julio Arias, who... Uh, himself is struggling a little bit. Another guy who's not a huge swing and miss pitcher, at least for for being drafted that high. A three and three record, a four forty one ERA, a one twenty nine WHIP. Uh, the K rate is up a little bit versus last year, and the walks are down. Uh, however, obviously the ratios are what you're signing up for with Urias. There was talks about kind of their defense and the shifting not helping him out as much, and that could be a narrative, uh, but. Some of the underlying stats look like there will be some regression here. He's got the 18th highest BABIP uh, against him with a 326 there. Uh, That's 18th highest in the league. Um, But, you know, it's tough to say. Like, the line drives are up from last year. His fastball is getting hit much harder. Uh, But the XERA is at a 367 beneath the 441. So, Arias, kind of a similar case with Sandy. Uh, your thoughts, Steve, on if you know you're as bullish on on buying high here, or, or are we a little more worried about Urias? 
I think so too. He's always a guy that has like these super high XERA numbers and just for whatever reason um, always outperforms them and is just a better pitcher than what those algorithms can calculate. Um, I also feel like he is a slow starter. I don't have the splits in front of me, but I, I feel like there's a bit of buying opportunity for Arias the last like few years that he's been a really good pitcher and this might be one of them. The fact that he, you know, has kind of been a just at a, a strikeout, maybe a little over a strikeout uh, per inning guy, and his K rate is up would be enough for me to to be interested in him alone. So uh, I like it based based on based on that. It looks a lot closer to the twenty twenty one strikeout and, and walk rate, where you know he was. Um, very good in, in in that area and and limited hard contact. Uh, so yeah, I, I I like Urias and I think it's a, a decent buy low opportunity. Yeah, and it's another one where you know the the window might be closing as we're recording. He's he's three innings, four strikeouts, and it looks like he's got a no hitter going against the Phillies. Of course, just three innings in as we record this, but. The two starts prior to that, he kind of got roughed up by the Philly or by the Pirates and the Cubs. So, yeah, um, the, yeah. The, the Pirates were that was in the middle of their, uh, you know, destroying everyone and mashing everyone um, stretch yes. there, yes. where they were the hottest team in baseball. Yeah, um, then they got Josiah Gray, man. Gray finally, yeah, yeah you exactly. know, he did it for him. Uh, so, yeah, Arias is another one that I think. You know, see how this start goes. If it's if it's a gem, you're probably not going to get too much of an opportunity there. But if it does, if the wheels do come off a little bit, um, I still am with you. I think this is a really good one. We've liked the pitcher for a long time, and I think he's showing a little bit of a strikeout upside this year that uh, was down a little bit in the past. So I like that one a lot. The the window is open probably for Joe Musgrove, even though it's two short starts. Most people. Uh, drafted him and had to wait like a full month, uh, but obviously got clobbered in Mexico City, gave up seven earned runs after a, a good couple innings to start that game. It completely unraveled, and guys left on base, came around and scored, so not all of that was directly from him. But he now has a 10-8 ERA uh, and looks like kind of typical Musgrove, so... Uh, not a ton here, Steve. I just think it's another one that like you might have a frustrated manager out there if he has another bad start. Um, and you know, the, the injury that he had was that like, I think it was the broken toe. So to me, that doesn't give me that much concern as, as long as that's healed. It's not like it's a, you know, something with a forearm or anything. So I think Musgrove's a, a, another good one. Not sure if there's anything to add there, but just one for the list. No, but it might take him a little bit longer to get back into form just because, you know, didn't have a spring training, still recovering from an injury. Um, you know, maybe the, the manager didn't realize that game was at Mexico City where the altitude, I think, was like double that of Coors Field. Uh, maybe I'm totally wrong on my geography there. but No, you're right. It was basically the moon. Yeah. yeah, it was basically the moon. So you should not have even started them there. Um, considering it was a still ill situation and uh, – the 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 altitude was just insane. There were just so many home runs. Uh, um, next year, when they go back to Mexico City, I will be streaming hitters uh, for that entire series. That was just crazy, crazy. But yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a fairly obvious buy low where most people probably aren't selling low. Yep. 
Okay, these ones I think are a little more actionable here, Steve. A little bit less investment, but we got Nestor Cortez leading us off here with the largest gap, uh, at least for for people that had respectable ex-ERAs. It was the largest gap that I saw on the list where Cortez has an ERA actual of 4.91 and his ex-ERA is 3.29. Uh, the whip still looks really good, which, of course, is, as you like to point out, Steve, one of the oldest ways to kind of identify a potential breakout, just a 118 whip uh, beneath the 491 ERA. And, yeah, other stuff looks pretty similar to, to last year with the K-BB. Uh, the VLO uh, is down just a tiny bit, but um, there's some other good stuff with the spin rates. Look like they're a little bit higher. I know the Yankees have not been too happy of a story, but I think Nestor Cortez might be a nice little buying opportunity with someone who's who's frustrated with that high era uh what do you think about nestor cortez out there yeah i think so the only like pause is that you know he's not this like amazing stuff guy like he kind of gets by on that deception and messing with timing um so maybe it's it's a bit steeper of a of a decline that you might not see coming um, for a guy like that, that's more of a finesse pitcher than mm-hmm. than a stuffist or anything like that. But you know, I, I I don't. I that would be it would be more concerning if like his K rate was twenty percent. If if that was the case, you know, it's still twenty five percent, which is one percentage point lower than what it was last year. So. Um, I'm not too concerned. I I think it was you know there were there were a few really good starts from Nestor Cortez to to start the season, um, so uh, I, I am I am not too concerned. Like the strikeouts have still been there uh, in, in in recent starts too. So um, yeah, it, it was it's you, you don't want to see a three three and then seven in the earn run game log, but you know, it happens. Uh, I would be buying Nestor Cortez if I could. Yeah, and I think this window is much more open because, yeah, yeah, like you said, recently it's looked rough. And then on Saturday, he's got a road tie with the Rays, who have kind of been all or nothing lately on offense. But if if they get to him and he still has the, you know, seven strikeouts to, to go with it, I do think Cortez is a nice little buy high or a buy low candidate here. Um, yeah, I just think when you look at the the pitch mix and the velo and everything, it looks similar enough. And like you said, the strikeouts still look pretty good. So um, I'm buying that one, but probably the biggest one on the list for me, Steve is Mr. Logan Gilbert, who is coming off of a couple four run earned, earned run outings against the Brewers and the Phillies. Uh, so far he's got a 4.23 ERA, uh, a one twelve whip, which is again, promising there. But beneath the 423 ERA is a 283 XERA. Um, and man, I think I had chalked up Logan Gilbert as being, you know, I was I was there with you, Steve. I, you know, I think every league I was in a couple of years ago, I, I had shares of Logan Gilbert. And I kind of just thought he was, you know, middle of the road on swing and miss stuff. Uh, you know, the fastball was good, but waiting for those secondaries to come around, and it is happening. The The strikeout rate is now at 30%. The walk rate is down to 4.4%. Like, this is kind of a, a Hoomst uh, player card right <laughs> here where it's like, is this Lodolo or like, wh- who is this? 
So I think that, um, you know, Gilbert, of course, the, the manager invested probably a ninth round pick or something in the ballpark, uh, but he's throwing his curveball more. I think we're seeing the the kind of long overdue breakout for a high floor pitcher in Gilbert. And it could be sky the limit with uh, the volume that he could get in Seattle as well. So this might be the, my favorite one of all the pitchers that we discussed. But uh, what are your thoughts on this? I thought I had a favorite one that we'll talk about soon, but um, I, I, I think I'm with you. I think this might be my, my favorite by low. Like everything looks like it, it's clicking. He's throwing the slider and the curveball more this year. Uh, the fastball has come down in usage a bit, and it's not like a horrible, horrible fastball. It's still 95 miles an hour. Or it gets a 20.4% 20, 20. whiff percentage. Like, it's a decent pitch. Like, the b- batting average on it is 356. The XBA is 244. Like, he's getting unlucky with his fastball. Like, it's a, it's a decent fastball. He's given up three homers on it. Like, it shouldn't be that bad. And I think once that sort of normalizes... Like, look out. Yeah. I just got the update as well. Topical for the show that Trey Turner just hit a homer. But he just hit it off of Julio Arias. So, you know, kind of working both ways here for us. I have both of them on my home league team. So uh, I'm happy that he's still doing well and Turner hit a home run. That's ideal for me. Yeah. I mean, it it helps it go down. I just had Eloy hit a homer that ruined uh, Joe Ryan's win. And I was like, you know what? Sam, I also have those two players. Yeah. It's (laughs) like, you'll you'll, you'll take it. So let's segue to what potentially might be your favorite one here, Steve. Uh, Yeah. It is Nick Lodolo. You know me so well. You know me so well. Yeah. We talked about about Lodolo last week. Mm -hmm. But what we said was like, watch out. The Oakland game is going to be a huge you know, bounce back for him. It's a get right game. This is your last chance to get him. And, you know, it wasn't great, but it also came with more of the same that the swing and miss stuff was there. It's just, he's getting nicked up by these homers. Uh, He's getting hit pretty hard. I mean, we we do need to address that it's Mm going to heat up in Cincinnati. And this guy is, when he is getting hit, it's getting pummeled, Um, you know, but we've said that for guys in the past, like a Shane Bieber comes to mind. Um, and some of the, the underlying stuff with Lodolo right now, his BABIP is 450, which is the highest in the league. Of course, if you're getting hit hard, then that will kind of run a high BABIP, but that has to show some regression. That said, the service numbers are terrible. A 616 ERA, a 173 whip. Uh, but talk to me, Steve, about why you're still loving Lodolo as a, a buy low here. I mean, it's just it's just the underlying numbers. It's the strikeout rate. Um, you know, it's the fact that the walk rate is improved, like the number one thing that we wanted him to do. Um, yes, there's been a lot of hits and a lot of hard hits. He's given up 11 ballots already. He gave up 23 all of last year. Um, so, you know, already a third of the way to that number in, in just April. I know he didn't have a... Uh, uh, a full spring or full season last year, but it was still close to it. Um, sorry, and almost halfway to the, to that number, which is, which is crazy. Um, but you know, there's just so much to like here. Like the curveball is so good. The fastball is great. He's throwing the change up more, um, sort of ditch that sinker. Uh, I, I think that, 
you know, if anyone's panicking over those surface numbers and how much hits he's given up and all the home run and the hard contact, like there's just, you know, no way that this guy isn't going to figure it out and run off a, a, a four start, five start stretch where he gives up, you know, three, four hits a night with eight plus strikeouts, you know, like that I think is coming. Yeah, just looking at the list from Mr. Nick Pollock here. I feel like a Lodolo manager might be interested in, and I know there's a, a difference here in kind of, uh, you know, production and, and longevity, but like Logan Allen is quite a bit down, and Allen has looked really good in this first couple starts. Andy offers the strikeout rate uh, that the Lodolo manager probably wanted, but mm-hmm. we would we would probably do that Logan Allen for Lodolo, right? Oh, uh yeah, no question. I would I would want Lodolo, yeah. Especially I like Logan Allen. I like Logan Allen a lot, but I would definitely take Lodolo there. Yeah. Same with Bybee as well. Yeah, I mean there's some longer term um rotation concerns for them just because Tristan McKenzie and Zach and um Savali. Savali should be back. Um but they are probably better than Plesak and and another uh and, Connor Pilkington, they just traded. There's another arm in that rotation that's not that good. So they are definitely one of the best five pitchers. And Cleveland's usually pretty good about that. Like, they, you know, throw their best guys and develop these guys. Like, no other team. It's crazy how many, mm-hmm. how, how a pitching factory Cleveland has become. So I, I, don't, I don't think I would have too, too many concerns about their innings going forward. Um, but, you know, they are technically rookies, and I – think we're you know we're kind of it's kind of just because you know nobody throws close to 200 any innings anymore at least very few people do and i think teams now want to get their you know like why have the first time you you're you're really good pitching prospect throw 150 innings why have that first time be at triple a when you could use those bullets in the majors right i think that's sort of the path that we're going that makes it less concerning, right? Like, I remember back in, you know, five, six years ago, like, whenever you had a rookie pitcher, like, no matter how good he was, it was always smart to trade him, essentially, either now or, like, you know, in June, because come August and September, he would be shut down. Right. I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. Like, you know, guy, the teams figure out a way to make them yeah, skip the Last, start. On, yeah, skip the start go, on like go, a five go, game week. Go down something. to the All Star break. Yeah, things like that. Um, go to six man forever long. Like teams are better at figuring that out. So I'm not too concerned. Uh, as a little side rant about young arms. Yeah, I think it's a, a change in the the landscape. And if you can get to that 130, 140 mark, it's not that far off. If if the ratios and Ks are good. But yeah, Lodolo should give you more volume. I do think the ratio is because he gets hit hard. Um, I know Nick has mentioned that too, that just like, you know, the ratios probably won't be great, but, you know, it's probably going to be, I think Frank Stample had mentioned uh, from CBS, kind of Robbie Ray-esque, where maybe, you know, you're you're going to get really good strikeout numbers. Uh, maybe the whip will look a little bit better since he has checked the walks. Uh and most of the damage comes from the long ball. But, you know, it's possibly like high threes at the end of the season, but a really good uh, strikeout rate. So 
I think all in all, you'll take it. I think, you know, a guy like uh, Dustin May, I would be happy to, to deal if the Lodolo manager would be up for it. Um, it gets a little bit tougher when you're looking at, like, I don't know, like George Kirby, Sonny Gray are right above Lodolo in the list. Like, I don't know. Would you do both of those or a little bit closer? It's close. I know these are the challenge trades as well, yeah. which we typically don't. You know, it's not yeah. the best way to get a trade. And it's hard to get, you know, like both of those guys are getting really good surface results. Like you're hoping that Lodolo has those surface results. It, it, it just, you know, if you needed strikeouts, then sure, yes. Like if you're lacking in strikeouts and okay and, and whip. But I, I still do think that, you know, the ratios will come down for Lodolo. Yeah. Um, like, we were concerned the whip was going to be high because of the walk rate. The walk rate is better. Uh, I, I think his stuff enough, is good enough that he'll figure out some hit, hit suppression going forward. Okay. Well, that's Lodolo. And one other guy who, whose name we brought up recently as well is Nathan Ivaldi. And this one's uh, kind of that by medium because he's coming off a complete game shutout versus the Yankees, so the window might be close, closing. Just wanted to point out that Although the Yankees the, are the offense right now is horrible. So, right, right. Maybe they're so not putting as much stock into that. So just a complete game shutout, not not versus <laughs> not the versus the Yankees. Yeah. Yes, uh, the ERA is is a three ninety three for Eovaldi, but the xERA is pretty much a full run beneath that at two ninety six. Uh, the one fifteen WHIP is good, and he's had a three fifty six BABIP against which is the fifth highest on qualified pitchers also had a, a unfavorable left on base rate of 62 percent so Evaldi, it looks really good man i know his his velo looked great in spring um i know in the past it has kind of worn down throughout the season a little bit uh but a 26.5 percent k rate and a 3.4 percent walk rate just some of those things look much better than a 393 era um, so I think Eovaldi's still another name on this list. I think just with him being older, you don't want to yeah. quite pay up as much. But it, it is a, an interesting one that, uh, you know, right now I, I, Nick's got him at SP35, uh, sandwiched between like Logan Webb and Hunter Brown, Lance yeah. Lynn, um, which seems about right. I don't know. If, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if most people would have him there or at least think to have him there. So that's what makes him, I think, a uh, a good at least semi by low. Um, all of those surface num- um, underlying numbers are really, really impressive. And, you know, we've talked about how um, Texas is another team that's had success with these older um, starting pitchers, right? Um, Lance Lynn had his, like, re-break out there. Um, John Gray has been good when healthy. So um, I like it a lot and would definitely be interested in – any of all because especially since he doesn't have the name brand as some of these other younger, uh, more popular names. Yeah, and Eovaldi is a guy that I mean he's still shockingly just sixty percent rostered. So I mean, yeah, you go that's out crazy. Back, oh yeah, like yeah, all absolutely. leagues, twelve team, even yeah. ten team. He he's must roster the way it's looking right now for Eovaldi. Until yeah, I would start him against basically anyone except for like at Colorado, right? Like yeah. Yeah, I mean, until he proves otherwise. Like, so far, you know, he's had some uh, favorable matchups with, like, 
the Cubs, a couple games against the Royals in there, but like the swing and miss stuff looks legit. So yeah, I, I think you got to roll with them until we see otherwise. So I agree, man. That that rounds us out, Steve. A uh, lot of good stuff in there. Um, what do you think? Just pretty much wake up tomorrow with a coffee and, and propose some of these uh, buy low trades. Is that the plan? Absolutely. Like we're starting to get into trade season. Like it's it's almost that time, a month into to the year. I think uh, people start getting the itch. So um, I know we'll do our let's make a deal annual show soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I like it and, and think that it's it's a good list of names. Like there rarely wasn't many guys. I'm like, ah, I, I don't want him or don't think that there there's a bounce back at least coming at least somewhat, right? Uh, so yeah, um, I think it's uh, a good a good starting point at least uh, guys to have conversations on if if you're interested in or if you know someone panic drops or rage drops on these guys because you, know, you you do see it sometimes. For sure. Yeah. I mean, scanning through the list, I think Vinny P, I'm, I'm buying extra there on, on just looking even better. I think Nathaniel Lowe was a really good one we, mm-hmm. we called out. And then I think uh, Logan Gilbert and Ladolo. Yeah, I both agree. You, you, sold me, you sold me on, on Gilbert a lot. I, I think that's that's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you guys want to uh, throw any names our way for an upcoming trade show, we're happy to uh, profile them a little bit. You guys can always. Email the show, windsabovefantasy at gmail.com. Or we're on Twitter again, at windsabovepod. I'm at van underscore verified, and Steve is at stav8818. But that rounds us out for episode 98. Steve, we're a couple couple away from the big 100. I might have a trick up my sleeve for that. Oh, boy. We'll see. Oh, boy. Oh uh, boy. But that, that's, that's what we call a teaser in the biz. <laughs> so uh, that's that's everything I got, Steve. Uh, Great talking, man. Uh, Great talking baseball with you guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, Yep. Talk next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.